Hey guys, welcome back. I am Sarah, your host of What's on Your Plate podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to encourage you all to visit my website, lilulosvegan.com. And if you haven't already, sign up for the mailing list. The link is in the show notes. I promise not to overload your inbox with junk you don't want, but what I will be doing is sending you monthly newsletters, podcast updates, and keeping you informed about the next chapter in my journey, that of which is becoming a holistic mind and body practitioner. I am really excited about this. It's been a long time coming, and I'm just completely pumped to share it with you. Welcome back. It's another episode of What's on Your Plate podcast. One of my favorite things to do is talk vegan. Today, I get to share a conversation where I got to do exactly that. Kelly Gilberry has literally saved his life just by changing what's on the end of his fork. If you're ready to ask yourself some hard questions like, is my heart disease necessary? Is my high blood pressure or cholesterol or diabetes something that I want to be part of my identity? Is being obese something I'm willing to live with? If you're willing to ask yourself those questions and really lean into the honest answers of them, this episode is absolutely for you. Do you deserve to be well? How can you regain and embody health? It's all talked about here today, and I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Kelly's approach is so relatable and approachable that not only will it resonate, you'll want to share it with other people. Let's get into it. Hey, all. So I'm here today with Kelly Gilberry, he is a certified holistic nutritionist, best-selling author of the amazing read, Plant Saved My Life, health coach, speaker, and trainer. He's here today to talk about his brilliant book, of course, and the journey he has been on that brought him to the truth. Welcome, Kelly. Appreciate you having me. Thanks, Sarah. I'm so excited that you're here. You know, as a longtime vegan myself. Uh, First and foremost, I love speaking with, you know, like-minded people on the same topic of plant-based and veganism is something that I will forever be excited to talk about and share with other people. So uh, that's cool for sure, right away. 100%, 100%, absolutely. Um, I loved your book. That's of course a given. Um, The information that you share in your book is just For one thing, inspiring, even for somebody like myself that's been on the journey for a while. But I think more importantly, it's going to just really, really grasp the attention of people that are not yet on this path or are just entering. And it just solidifies so much information. Before we get too much into that, though, I really want you to help us understand how you even found yourself on this path. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for thanks for reading the book. Thanks for commenting on the book. Appreciate that. Yeah, uh, so finding my way on this path was a few years ago in 2019. I was in the worst shape of my life. So the story started off as now I'm like you were saying earlier, I'm a holistic uh, nutritionist. I'm in the best shape of my life. But before that, 
an, well, an, an author now, but before that, I was in the worst shape of my life. In 2019, my mother passed away suddenly. I got a call from my brother like, hey, listen, mom went in for a routine procedure. Well, I don't know if you call it routine. She was going to put stents in her heart because she was always having issues with her heart. Right. So uh, got on the plane and, you know, he told me, well, she passed away on the table when she went in. She passed away on the table and then came when I flew in. She was hooked. They, Of course, they brought it back to life. And then when I flew in, they had all, all these different life support machines. And the next day she passed away. So it was it was crazy. It went from I was, you know, my mom was like my best friend. So being super happy to to the next day, you're just like, dude, what the hell just happened? I'm getting back on the plane after a funeral. I'm just like, what just happened? <laughs> right. And uh, she passed away from a heart attack, which is the now. I know is the leading cause of death in the United States, but not even in the United States. It's the leading cause of death for humans, for human beings across the planet. So I go to the doctor and they tell me, hey, listen, I just went in for a routine, you know, yearly checkup. And they tell me, hey, listen, you have heart disease, you have angina and you're obese. They didn't, or angina, which is heart disease and also prediabetes and you're obese. But they didn't say, of course, they didn't say that. They didn't say that I was obese. But when I got home and I looked on the scale and I'm like, yeah, I'm obese. I'm in the word, my pants. I can't buckle my pants. I can't anything. So fast forward about six months, my mother came to me in a dream and told me that I had the ability to be able to help other people heal. So I'm like saying to myself, what did that dream mean? I have no, absolutely zero idea what that dream means. Keep in mind, I'm in the worst shape of my life. I'm obese. I'm pre-diabetic. I have heart disease. What do I know about healing people? So that dream didn't make sense. So as the months went by, my uncle came to live with us a couple months after that dream, about a month after that dream. And he was given two months to live because of his cancer. So his cancer came back. He beat the cancer before it went into remission. And then the cancer came back and it came back into his liver and then ended up living for five months. So I was his caretaker. I was taking him to his doctor's visits every single day because MD Anderson, MD Anderson is the biggest cancer hospital in the world. People from all over the world come here. So he was going to MD Anderson. And then he ended up living for five months instead of the two months. So after he passed away, I instantly knew what that dream meant. It meant that first I needed to go on a mission to not only transform my own health, but then second, transform the health of everyone else. So I know what that dream means. Like, oh yeah, I get it, mom. I know what that dream means. It means that I'm supposed to go into beast mode, <laughs> basically. So that is when One Determined Vegan was born. So my name's Kelly, of course. But I go by, but my persona, <laughs> it's not even a persona. That's just who I am. It's the one determined vegan. So I just went on a mad mission to, again, like I said, transform my own health. So I ended up losing 70 pounds. In 2021, I ended up losing 70 pounds from January to November. I ended up losing about 70 pounds. No more prediabetes, no more heart disease. And I'm in the best shape of my life. Reverse all, cholesterol dropped 100 points everything, right? No more pre-diabetes, everything. So all of that through the power of plants. So I went on a plant-based journey. I just started looking at why do people die? This is what I'm putting in the Google search. Hey, why do people die? So the more and more research I did, the more and more I kept getting pointed back to the food. And so I wanted to know where heart disease came from. It doesn't come from nowhere. You just don't wake up one day like, oh yeah, you got heart disease. So it's like, it has to come from somewhere. So I went on a, literally, I went on a mission to find out where heart disease came from. Then I went, on, then after I figured out where heart disease came from, then I went on a mission to find out. I went to war with cancer. I'm like, where the hell does cancer come from? <laughs> right? Then I just started going crazy with it. And I turned myself, I literally turned myself into a mad scientist because I'm, this was during COVID. So we're staying at home a lot. 
So instead of just sitting around in the beginning, I, I sat around and just watched TV, just probably just like everybody else just did the normal stuff. And then after a while, I'm like, this is getting old. And then after my mother passed away and came to me in that dream, that's when I started using that time to study and to just turn myself into a mad scientist. And so that's where I am today. So that's why I ended up writing the book. That's why I ended up doing, you know, a lot of the, starting my coaching service. That's why I did a lot of stuff that I do now, simply because of when my mother came to me in that dream and told me that. I have this ability. You know, I got to tell you, I just get the goosebumps when you're talking about the way that you learned what you were supposed to be doing next in life. And I always revert back to um, finding the good within the bad. And your mother's passing was tragic for sure. But I don't know that you'd be where you are today had it not been for that devastating event. I mean, that event had to happen in order for you to really open your eyes and step into who you are today. Do you believe that? 100%. Had had she not passed away, had I not seen both sides of death, had I not seen my uncle pass away between, like I said, I literally saw both up close and personal. Had those events not happened, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably wouldn't, I'd probably be pushing up daisies by now. Because like I said, I go to the doctor and they tell me I have heart disease. I'm pre-diabetic. I'm obese right? My cholesterol is through the roof. So no, I would have been on the same path that I was. I call it being a grasshopper. You have no, especially when it comes to your health. I had no plans for my health. If you'd have looked at, if you'd have told me three years ago, or even before my mother passed away pre-COVID that anything about going vegan or plant-based, I would have laughed you out of the room. Like what? (laughs) Me? Yeah. Okay. I would have never thought to eat plants, 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 because all I love was my double cheeseburgers, extra pickles, uh, McDonald's French fries, gummy worms, uh, pork chops, wash it down with a Mountain Dew. I would have never gone, had my mother not passed away, had I not gotten angry, so I got super angry and started doing all this research, I would have never did it. I would have never yeah. did any of that, right? I would just continue to live in the same life that I was. And like I said, I probably wouldn't be here today. I was three years ago. They told me like, listen, you have heart disease. You have angina. I can feel the angina. I can feel angina is basically an, a pre-warning sign that you get ready to have a heart attack right it's kind of your heart would just start hurting out of nowhere i had there is uh there is a i forget the name of the type but there's two types of anginas there's one that's when you exercise a lot when you exercise when you're doing something really strenuous that's the type of angina that you or you'll feel it triggering your heart or when you're just sitting around watching tv so that's the worst kind and when you're just sitting around chilling not doing anything and your heart just starts hurting like crazy then yeah that is a very, very bad sign, <laughs> right? Yeah, that for sure. You know, one thing, one thing you said just a moment ago um, regarding entering the plant-based lifestyle is that if you would have told me this, you know, pre-COVID or five years ago that I was going to be on this journey, I would have thought you were crazy. I would have never, ever, you know, thought that this would be my future. And I think that is the statement of every vegan I know. You know, you can never envision yourself living this lifestyle when you are stuck in what you call uh, the diesel fuel that we consume every day. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about what you mean by that? Oh, I love that. That's my favorite thing, Sarah. Diesel fuel, diesel and unleaded. So when you pull up to the gas station, it's kind of like your body has to. Here, here's how I like to compare your body. I like to compare your body to fuel. When you pull up to a gas station, what type of gas do you put into your car? Unleaded. 
Yeah, if you put unleaded in there, it runs like a champ. Runs like a champ. But what happens if and how long does it run? You go to work, you come back and you you'll fill up again and you just keep on going and your car just keeps going. And, you know, you have to do normal stuff like oil, oil changes and tire rotations. But that's the right fuel source for your car. But what happens the following week, the next week, if you come up and you accidentally put diesel fuel, you grab the green pump and you put diesel fuel into your unleaded burning engine. What do you think is going to happen to your car? I don't think I'm going to get very far. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're not going to get very far. You may, as soon as you put it in, you may not feel it right away. But once your car starts to feel that gas going through there, that is the wrong fuel source. It's called the methylation process. When your body has to take the fuel and revert it and convert it into a usable form. So it's kind of the, the other analogy I like to give is crude oil. We, put, we pull crude oil out of, the, I work in, worked in oil and gas. So we pull crude oil out of the ground and it's, you know, crude oil, it's oily. <laughs> you put that into your car, what's going to happen? Your car is not going to recognize it. So it doesn't recognize, it recognizes it as the wrong fuel source. It has absolutely no idea what to do with that fuel. And it's the same thing with your body. It has to, well, your car has to take it and it's called methylation. You have to take it and refine it. So you have to refine it into something that's usable. So when we eat a lot of this fuel source called, I call it diesel fuel. When we eat a lot of fuel source called 60% of the standard American, over 60% of the standard American diet is ultra processed foods. That's food that tastes really, really delicious. It's delicious. It's great for your taste buds. So you, your, your taste buds love it, but the rest of your body hates it. So that's why I call it diesel fuel. So if you put this into your body all day, every day, just like the car analogy, just like if you put diesel fuel into your car, just like if you put crude oil into your car, your car is going to recognize it as the wrong fuel. So your body, it recognizes that fuel source, diesel fuel, as I call it, as the wrong fuel source. The other 30% is animal products. So it's animal products. And then the final, of course, you got, you know, steaks and all of the meat, dairy, ice cream, uh, cheese, everything, right? So that's all animal products. So that's 90, that's over 90% of the standard American diet. 10% of that is fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, and whole grains. The things that your body is supposed to have, to have the proper methylation process, to be able to convert that raw material into, into fuel. So if your body can't, can't uh, take that and turn it into fuel, you have deficiencies. So when you start having deficiencies, like I have a deficiency of vitamin K or a deficiency of zinc. If your body can't make the right conversion. Ultimately, over time, those symptoms uh, express as a disease, the diseases that we know about, high blood pressure, you know, high cholesterol, heart disease, cancer, all these different diseases that are a result of a deficiency. Your body can't make the conversion from that crude oil I talked about into a real gasoline. All right. So that's, that's what diesel fuel is about. Diesel fuel, it makes up 90% of the standard American diet. So you put that into your body all day, every day, as the years go by, your body will have all these deficiencies. You'll start to develop another disease, another disease, another disease. 70% of people pass away from a chronic illness simply because we're putting the wrong fuel source into our body. There's more to it. It's called epigenetics. But the main thing is the fuel source that you're putting into your body. There's a lot of things that can contribute to a disease, but it's mostly the food that you're putting into your body. So that's the definition of diesel fuel. It is the wrong fuel source. Ultra-processed foods and animal products are not designed for the human body. Yeah, not, I love all that Not 100% of the time. It's 100, that's what we do 100% of the time in the standard American diet. Yeah, also called the SAD diet for those sad. of our listeners that don't know that. 
um, which that really just speaks for itself in um, regards to why that is not a good idea for your everyday life or any part of your life for that matter. Um, tell me a little bit more about why you think people don't gravitate more towards the plant-based diet just naturally. What is it about, let me back up for a second there. I want, I want you to describe a little bit something to me regarding another thing that you repeat throughout your book that I think we have gotten away from, our mindset has gotten away from, that of which is mother nature is perfect in her design. She does not make mistakes. She is not flawed. And trusting her in regards to fueling ourselves is something that we have really gotten away from as a culture, as a society, as people. Can you talk to me more about that? Yeah, Mother Nature. That's my other favorite thing, Sarah. Uh, talking about Mother Nature, because who? it's my slogan. Who are we to argue with Mother Nature? Mother Nature is perfect in, in, this design, in her design. When this planet was created over two and a half billion years ago, millions of billions and years ago, there was three special diets that were created by the creator. Like whoever you believe in, you can believe in Jesus, you can believe in Allah, you can believe in Buddha, you can believe in whatever. But there is a the big bang theory, but there is a creator who are someone created you. There is a higher power. And when the higher power created this planet, they created three special diets. It was herbivore, carnivore, and omnivore, right? So based on these three special diets, so you're gonna fall into one of these three categories. And these three categories are based on your, on your anatomy. So they're your anatomy and your physiology. Either you're going to eat plants, <laughs> right? Or you're going to eat other animals, or you're going to eat a combination of both. And when you eat the combination of both, it's, here's, a, here's how a real omnivore is. They eat mostly plants. Real omnivores eat mostly plants. Um, they'll eat some of the meat occasionally, but when they eat the meat, it's not something that they go out and deliberately go kill, right? It's something that's left over. Like, oh, they'll eat the leftover, like the lions and the hyenas, they killed a, a buffalo. So I'm going to go eat the leftovers from there. So it's mostly plants that they'll eat. And then they'll eat, when they eat flesh, it's raw flesh. It's not something that they take to the stove, to the microwave, to the, to the oven, to the fire pit. They literally eat it raw right there on the spot. So these are true omnivores. So based on your anatomy, you can be, you're going to be either an herbivore a carnivore or an omnivore. And then human beings, no one wants to admit it, but human beings, based on mother nature, based on all of this stuff that I just talked about, mother nature has designed human beings based on everything about our anatomy to eat plants, everything. I can get into it a little bit more, but that everything about our anatomy says that you are a plant eater from your long digestive system from, to your flat teeth, to you having fingers, so you're standing in an upright position to uh, the gut bugs, your saliva in your mouth, everything, right? The speed at which you run, everything says that you are a plant eater. Your physiology, right? everything says that you're a plant eater. And everything about a lion says that he's a meat eater. Everything, everything about a lion says that he's designed to eat meat. Everything, everything about a cheetah, everything about an alligator, everything about... All these other, I grew up in Florida, so alligators, watch out for alligators, right? They're in the, they're in the pond, <laughs> right? There could be an, an alligator right below the surface of the water. So in Florida, we grew, ne we knew never to play near a pond because there could be an alligator right, right there. We know that because why? We know that alligators are 
meat eaters. You don't see any human beings like, oh, watch out for that uh, human being below the surface of the water. He's going to eat you up. You know what I mean? You, you're not going to see that really. So yeah, everything correct. about everything about us says that we're plant eaters and everything about carnivores said that they're meat eaters. Why do you think people don't want to admit that? Like you said earlier. Because of conditioning. We've been conditioned since we were six months old. Six months old, it says, it's, it's all about what what so your body's like a petri dish your cells are like a petri just dish so when we're six months old your everything in your culture and everything in your environment it starts to dictate who you are it starts to dictate your personality it starts to dictate the things the foods that you like right so when we're six months old and our mother cracks open that chicken flavored gerber and it goes and it smears across our intestines and we get that taste in our mouth and she that cracks open the beef flavored you know gerber i was at the airport uh not too long ago i was at the airport and i saw a little kid one he had to be no more than one years old he's eating a, a burger from mcdonald's right he's eating a burger and he's 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 digging there and grabbing the fries one years old from mcdonald's it doesn't it doesn't know anything about that it's just because his parents gave it to him as a conditioning so they were conditioned and then we conditioned our kids to say hey yeah you're supposed to have animal products you're supposed to have animal products you're supposed to have these highly palatable foods this food is very very palatable for your your taste buds love it but the rest of your body hates it my philosophy is nourish yourself first taste buds second but the standard american diet is nourish your taste buds first and then don't even really worry about nourishing your body right that in, in the standard american diet don't worry about it because that's not real food the food that we eat so we love highly palatable food. So when it comes to admitting that, like, hey, listen, you're supposed to eat plants. This is what Mother Nature has designed for your body to eat plants. No one wants to hear that because they've been conditioned since they were six months old. So the second you try to tell somebody like, hey, man, that's that's not <laughs> how it's supposed to go down. That's not how Mother Nature intended it. You're going to get a lot of pushback because of the conditioning, right? Every it's subliminal on the TV, everything on marketing on television, Super Bowl commercials saying eat eat this junk food, eat that junk food, eat this junk food, eat eat all these animal products. But you're not designed to eat animal products. That's that's not the way Mother Nature intended it for. Not just saying that you can't eat. I I don't promote it at all. But it's my philosophy is eat real food. Not you probably read from my book. Eat real food, not too much. Mostly plants mostly plants. I want plants, the majority, no, not, about 90%. It's like that 90-10 diesel and unleaded. I want that 90% of the time, your, your natural diet. Every species on this planet has a natural diet. So people don't want to admit that simply because of we've been conditioned since we were tiny, tiny. Even before we were born, our mother was eating hamburgers and hot dogs and all that stuff. So that's going down the umbilical cord. So your cells mm -hmm. are getting a taste for it already. It's just like, I can't wait to get out and munch on some you know, hot dogs, right? But your body, your baby uh, embryo doesn't know anything about a hot dog. It doesn't know anything, a difference between a hot dog versus the nutrients from asparagus. It doesn't know the difference. All that it knows is it needs its nutrients, needs its nutrients. It doesn't know anything. Now, when we, the baby comes out, then you can start saying, okay, yeah, here's a cheeseburger or here's some lettuce or here, whatever, mm -hmm. right? That's when the conditioning starts. One of the things that comes to mind when you're talking about that early on conditioning is two things, really. I can uh, remember early on in my plant-based journey reading um, Alicia Silverstone's book called The Kind Diet. And one of the things that she said that really stuck with me was your kid does not come out asking for chicken nuggets. Your kid does not come out wanting French fries or, uh, you know, 
whatever kid-friendly type foods we tend to give our little humans, right? That's something that we create, we train or condition them to believe that they want or need. And then the other thing too, that just that we're so programmed to think that we need meat specifically from the plant-based or from the animal uh, based world. And I can remember being at an event recently and this little girl, she was probably three or four. She had this beautiful plate of fruit that she had assembled herself from the buffet area. And she brought it back to the table and her mom like immediately took her by the hand, put her plate down and said, no, honey, you need to get some meat. Let's go back. Mm-hmm. And it was like, there was this amazing bountiful abundance right in front of her. And she trained her right in that moment that that was not what she needed. And I just like my heart broke for that little girl in that moment, because I was like, no, that's like the opposite of what she needs. And it was just, it was just sad to see that. But people like you are out there creating knowledge that is very relatable, by the way, listeners, Picking up Kelly's book, Plants Saved My Life, is something that is not to be missed because it's presented to you in such a way that you're going to absorb and get every word that comes out of this book because it makes sense on a real life, everyday level. And that's what's going to cause the change in the world around us is people like you putting this information out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that that's the thank you. That's the reason I wrote the book. I wrote the book that way for my former self, my former self three, three and a half years ago. Like I told you before, there was no way in hell that you were going to get me <laughs> to go eat plants. So I wrote the book in the sense that if I were talking to myself, if I literally pulled up a chair and I had a conversation with myself from the best shape of my life, me, which is I am now, to the worst shape of my life, be uh, me, I would say this here, here, young man, here's the book that you need to read. Right. Keep in mind, I was over 40 at the time. I'm over 40, 42 uh, when I decided to go plant-based, uh, 100% plants. So when I, the 41-year-old me, I would say, hey, listen, here's the book that you need to read. That yeah, absolutely. Break it, things down into an easily to digestible format so you can actually do it. Don't make it too complicated and scientifically. I want you to make it to the point where I can get it, grasp it, and go do it. One thing I want you to speak on today as well Um Because I think something that comes to mind for people that I know that are not plant-based is how can something that tastes so good be something that is not good for me? And you comment in your book a lot about um, diesel fuel purposefully being engineered to be addictive, like a drug. Right. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So the... Ultra processed foods. So ultra processed foods are specifically designed. So you have a two hormones you call a leptin, which is your satiety hormone that tells you, hey, listen, I'm full. I'm so I'm full. I'm good to go. But when they engineer these products, they engineer these, they weaponize the food, basically. When they weaponize the food, they say, We know that you there. This is what the engineers are saying. We know that you have a hormone that says, Hey, a satiety hormone. We're gonna do everything in our power to override that hormone. They say, I want you to eat this and then I want you to eat some more and I want you to eat some more. So therefore, uh, we can make more money. We can make a lot of money simply by engineering these foods in such a way. They're not real food. This is not real food. It's food light. 
and they want your taste buds to go, wow, I love this taste. They want it highly palatable. But when you put that into your body, your body has no idea what to do with it. Like I said earlier, the methylation process, the conversion process, your body has absolutely no idea what to do with that. The more and more you eat it, the sicker and sicker you get. So that, that is how they engineer the food. And then there's also another uh, hormone called ghrelin. Ghrelin is the one that I, what I talked about. They, they put it into the food and they say, I want more. I want more. I want more. Give me more. Give me more. So leptin is for satiety. And ghrelin is saying that I'm hungry. It's your hunger, hunger hormone. They over, they produce, they want you to produce a lot of ghrelin and override your leptin hormone. So eat, eat, eat. There's no fiber from the food. They strip away all of the fiber because human beings are designed to eat. Fiber is one of the main things that we eat, your, that you need. Your body, your, your bacteria eat the fiber, right? You can't digest the fiber, but the gut bacteria inside of your gut they can digest the fiber and they use that to fuel you to make you the person that you are. So the engineers know this. So they make the food highly palatable and they make the food engineer that wants you to keep coming back for more, coming back for more, coming back for more, coming back for more. Am I full? I don't know if this, this is what you're saying. Am I full? No, I don't know if I'm full. And then we have all the television. So when you have television and entertainment and things, uh, it's a perfect combination. You don't, you're not paying attention to what, you, what you're doing. You're, you're watching TV, you're watching a movie, you're laughing. You're not paying attention to the food, that's to the fuel that's going into your body. The main point of fuel is to fuel your body, right? So it should be nourish yourself first, taste buds second. That's my philosophy. Nourish yourself first, taste buds second. So that, so when they engineer the foods, they know specifically what, they, what they're doing. This food is designed to stay on the shelf for months and months at a time. When they do uh, these beverages sugar sugar sweetened beverages right everything all the chemicals inside of that there's nothing in nature if you look on the back of it especially in diet soda if you look on the back of that label there's nothing in nature that you can't even pronounce these words there's no there's no way in hell you're going to find this stuff in nature right no way you're going to find it in nature and the same thing with medication they want you to take medication until you're blue in the face same it's the same thing they engineer the medication to be i want you to i want to we're going to uh, dull the symptoms just enough to keep you coming back for more, to keep you coming back for more. But we're not actually getting to the root cause of why you have heart disease. We're not getting to the root cause of where your uh, diabetes came from, <laughs> right? We're not getting into the root cause. We're just going to sweep it on the rug, give you this medication. So here you go on about your business and you just keep taking the medication. You, then you get into that loop, you get into the loop of it's the food, and then they're making you sick with the food. They know they're making you sick with the food. And like, okay, on the back end, on the other side, we have the medication that's making you even sicker, right? There's nothing in met. There's nothing in nature. All of these different products that we design, there's absolutely nothing in nature that you can go out and find these products in nature. That is not the way. Like I said before, herbivore, omnivore, <laughs> carnivore. It's gonna go back to that. It's Mother Nature. Mother Nature designed it this way. Everything that you need, all the medication that you need is right out there in the bush. You just go outside of your house, make a left or make a right, wherever you wherever you are. Instead of this modern world, go out into the real world, real nature, and find out how they really... I, I wrote about it in a chapter in my book about the tour guide. The tour guide told me, hey, listen, all from a cruise, all the medication that we need is right here within this land, all right? So yeah, so that's yeah. that's how they design the food. They design it to be a weapon to keep you coming back for more. Yeah, they sure do. And you know, you really hit it on the head when you said you take it until you're blue in the face, quite literally. 
quite literally. Tell me the correlation between um, the way they keep you coming back for more and how that is connected to why these diesel type foods are always on sale. You can always find coupons for them and plant-based foods are outside many people's budgets. Right, right, right. That's because uh, keep it, it's, all, it's all the government involved as well, right? The end is called subsidies, government subsidies. So the meat and dairy, I just say for the meat and dairy industry, this is the reason that I can go to McDonald's or before when I used to go to McDonald's and go to the dollar menu and get the dollar menu and everything for like three fifty, because of government subsidies. Government subsidies says we're going to give the meat and dairy industry $38 billion. It's probably more now. When I wrote the book, it was $38 billion. But uh, $38 billion we're going to give you. That's why you can go to the dollar menu and get something off the dollar menu. I can, like I said, I can go there right now and go to Taco Bell and you can get all this stuff for off the dollar menu. But yet, if I go to the grocery store right now and try to grab a, a nice, delicious, organic dragon fruit, it's going to cost me about at least seven bucks for a nice organic six, six or seven, seven bucks for a dragon fruit, which is about the size of my hand, a little bit bigger than my hand. This is the most, it's, it's very nutritious, right? It's got all the calcium and vitamin C, every, all the nutrients that you can imagine in this dragon fruit. It's going to cost me seven bucks. It's just a fruit, but I can go to McDonald's and get the dollar menu. That's because the government gives $38 billion versus $20 million to the fruits and vegetable industry. That's why I can't go get a bushel of kale right now for a dollar. I try to go get a bushel of kale for a buck. I'm going to get laughed out of the store. Like, what? Well, get out of here, <laughs> right? But I can go to McDonald's, Burger King, and all of these different places simply because it's all a part of the system. Once they get you in the system, that's it. It all starts from the top, get you in the system. Then it goes to the marketing. And then it goes to, hey, eat meat, eat dairy, eat, eat all this processed food until so we can keep putting money into our pocket. So that's what it goes so about. much deeper too. Um, it's probably a conversation for a different episode um, because it's such a rabbit hole to go down, but um, it's debatable, if not factual, that this is a form of institutionalized oppression, the way the government makes things unaffordable. Um, because when you can go to McDonald's and, um, you know, purchase lunch for yourself and two kids, let's say for seven or eight bucks, but you cannot, you know, go to the grocery store and buy something nutritious as a meal for even one person. That's a big problem. 100%. That's a big societal problem. 100%. And it's done on purpose. On purpose. On purpose, right? Because money makes the world go round. Money makes the world go round. There's people, like I said, there's people in the lab right now figuring out a way to override your satiety hormone, <laughs> right? That's their main, how do I override their satiety hormone so they can keep coming back for more, right? And then all starts just, from the top. It, I don't know how people like that sleep at night, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, but again, that's probably more, more time than we have to get into in this episode. But um, it, it's a cruelty that just baffles my mind all the time. Um, why is it that aside from the involvement of cost of food, what is your opinion on why we don't necessarily know what healthy looks like? Like I said, we, we, it's it, like I said, it all starts from the beginning. It all starts from your culture. What do you see your parents doing? You see your parents, you see your, you see your culture. It's like a little Petri dish. If you put a, if you put a bunch of cells into that 
Petri dish, you're going to start to acclimate to that, right? And it's the same thing for the human. Human beings, we want to, uh, we want to, uh, we don't want to be conditioned, but we are conditioned from a very, very, very young age. That is where the conditioning is. Like, what are my parents eating? So that's what I'm going to eat. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to eat that through the rest of my entire life because it's my culture. It's what I've known growing up. So, and it's the same, and we pass that down to our kids. We pass that down to our kids. We pass that down to our kids. Or in the next generation, the next generation. But somebody has to break the curse. Somebody has to break the curse and say, when are we going to break this curse? I talk about the curse in my book, right? The werewolf curse, right? Not triggering the disease. When is this going to stop? So someone has to jump in and say, even though that this is our culture, this is, this is how we were brought up, this is, somebody has the say why are our, why are our parents dying why why are people why why is our mom not here why is our dad not here why is this person gone this person gone so what we do is in society we go to the funeral we go to a funeral and the same food that we're eating at the the same food that put our loved one into that coffin is the same food that we're celebrating like oh yeah go get a plate you know afterwards go get a plate go get a plate so this is our tradition this is how we're brought up so now we have to figure out a way to break that curse. Figuring out a way to break that curse goes all the way back from to the beginning. We have to figure out a way to change our culture, right? Someone has to, someone has to stop and someone has to break that curse and say, you know what? I'm no longer, I'm, I'm going to break this family curse. I'm no longer going to let this happen to my family or anyone else's family. So basically someone has to step up and say, damn it, enough's enough. But if no one steps up and says enough's enough, we're still going to go to the funerals and we're eating the same foods, living the same lifestyle that the person who's in the coffin, uh, mm -hmm. that's the reason that they're in the coffin is there. Now we're celebrating and celebrating in their life, eating the same stuff that put them in the coffin, right? When is that going to stop? Answer Kelly Gilberry. And he's who's showing his family and now the world to step up and do something different. That's exactly like you said, what your purpose is. Um, it's just always so unfortunate that we have to learn these things from something tragic happening. Um, but I love that you so vividly talk about that because I think that so many people kind of skirt around the the truth in regards to that and they don't bring the real reality of what's going to happen, that of which is sickness, disease, and death into the conversation. They just talk about, oh, you just need to be more healthy or maybe uh, find a way to up your wellness game. But they don't use the words like you just did, like at a funeral, the coffin that they're sitting in. That's the real reality of it. 100%, 100%. The saying, the quote I like to use is, if nothing changes, then nothing changes, <laughs> right? If nothing Seriously. changes, then nothing is going to change. If you don't change for things to change, you have to change. If if things just stay the same, then we're still going to continue to bury our loved ones and still say, just like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, let's have some more of the same food that it's to keep the keep the cycle going of the of the reason that they pass away. Let's let's keep on living the same way. So, again, so if nothing changes, nothing changes. Absolutely. And, you know, many, many people's argument is often, oh, it's, you know, genetics or, oh, it's hereditary. That's why I have diabetes or heart disease or high blood pressure, or cholesterol or what, whatever it is. But um, 
99.9% of the time, no, you're sick because of what you're eating. 100%. 100%. There's a lot of things that there's a lot of things that are in, in the environment. So there's everything that you eat and everything that you drink and everything that you're it's in your environment that will contribute to a disease, right? It's, talking about, it's, it's called epigenetics. Epigenetics saying that we know all the genes in the human body, all the genes. So there's like 20, there's like 25,000 genes in the human body. So people have that thing to say, hey, listen, my heart disease runs in my family or cancer runs in my family or uh, diabetes runs in my families. Yes, that run, that's your family curse. Yes, that runs in your family, but you can break the curse. So you, heard, you probably heard the, the saying, Genetics load the gun, but your lifestyle pulls the trigger. There it is. Genetics okay. load the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. So when it comes to the curse, you don't have to trigger that family curse. Just because of your parents triggered the curse, because of the stuff that they were eating, mainly there's a lot of things that contribute to a disease, but mainly it is what you're putting into your body. The fuel source that you choose to run on will tell your genes. You can't change your genes, but you can turn you can turn off genes and turn on genes. You can have your genes expressed in a certain way. Either you have, have your genes expressed through health, or you can have your genes expressed through sickness and disease, right? And it's all because of your lifestyle. Sickness and disease is going to express, or, or health is going to express. And you can control, you're in control of that. It's called epigenetics, means it's above genetics. It has nothing to do with genetics. We know all of the genes. All the, the genes aren't going to change. Like I said, there's like 25,000 of them. But how these genes respond to your outside stimuli that correlates to whether you're going to express a symptom of a disease or whether you're going to express health. Again, take my, me, for example. I went from the worst shape of my life. I was eating double cheeseburgers and processed foods and Cokes and Mountain Dew and all that different stuff. I was telling my genes to express itself in a certain way based on the fuel source that I'm giving it, based on the deficiencies that my body has created. This is, this is how I'm telling to my body to express itself. But the second I switched my philosophy and I started eating 100% plants, now I changed my gene expression. I didn't change my genes. I just changed the way that they express themselves, the, the way that they talk to the world, right? So now my genes are saying, I'm giving them the signal, hey, it's all about health. It's all about healing yourself naturally because that's what your body wants to do. It wants to heal itself. It doesn't want to harbor a sickness or harbor a disease. I promise you it doesn't. It wants to be at its homeostatic state, which meaning in a state of perfect balance. Like I said, mother nature is perfect in her design. There's all these ecosystems and there's all these ecosystems in your body. Ecosystems meaning your circulatory system, your, your digestive system, your reproductive system, all these different systems, right? They want to work as smoothly as possible. It's a huge ecosystem. So that's what, that's what your body wants to do. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I love everything that you just described there. It's so just perfect and informative. And if you just lean into it and understand that a little bit deeper, it it's like there's there's no other way. And it's interesting to me to think too that, and not to discredit medical doctors, but the person that you went to when you started feeling the symptoms of angina and when they determined that you were pre-diabetic and, you know, obese was a medical provider. And that doctor essentially wanted you to drug away the cellular defects that developed from the improper lifestyle that you were living. That was um, in part a quote from Dr. Joel Herman um, that you included in your book. 
And Absolutely. I think that that is so important to tell people because yes, you may be able to take a prescription to offset the effects of these illnesses that we develop, but it's like putting a bandaid on a gun wound, right? I mean, that, that isn't the, that's not the way, you know, that's not the answer. The solution is healing your body. And if you just give it enough time and purposefully make intentional decisions with your lifestyle and your food choices, it will heal itself. It knows exactly what to do. 100% has the innate ability to heal itself naturally. It's what it wants to do. It wants to heal itself. But just like you said, if you give it enough time and if you give it the right equipment, which is the right fuel source, if you give it the right fuel source in the proper amount of time, there isn't almost anything that your body cannot do because that is the way that, like I said before, mother nature is perfect in her design. Your body wants to go back to being as perfect as it possibly can, <laughs> right? Naturally, it's going to heal itself. It's not like it's not like uh, your car. When you put diesel fuel into your car, yeah, your car is going to break down. I mean, it's not going to it's not going to heal itself naturally unless you go to a mechanic and the mechanic's probably got to take the, literally take the entire engine out and put another engine in. And make, oh, yeah, that if they try to fix that engine, it's not going to work too well, probably. But your body is much more innate than that. Your body says, I want to heal. Like I said, ecosystems, there's all these ecosystems. It's perfect in her design. Just like the, just like the earth's perfect in her design, as far as rainforest, rainforest are or designed to keep the earth naturally. Like I said, mother nature is perfect in her design. So that's why it's rained so much there. These tropical trees and it rains and it rains and it rains. It's designed that way to keep the earth cool. Right? Yeah, the absolutely. And you know, something you said there, um, again, you are amazing at analogies. I love your use of those in this conversation and throughout your book. You had uh, mentioned a mechanic being able to fix something. And it's the same with human beings. You know, you are, um, we are living in a world where you can go into surgery and have your chest cracked open, have things rerouted in your heart to compensate for the damage that you've done by clogging arteries and, and eating the diesel fuel that you're describing. Um, other things contribute as well, smoking, you know, alcoholism, things like that. But for sure, the diesel type food that we've described here is number one contribution to that. Um, and that is something that people consider to be more routine or normal. Oh, you know, my father's going in for open heart surgery next week and it's nobody blinks an eye, right? Oh, sends prayers, hope he recovers well. That's not extreme. But changing your diet to eat plants the way that we were always intended to gives people pause. Like, oh, that's crazy. I could never do that. I could never, you know, be vegan or plant-based. Um, and it's it's just astonishing that the type of normal that we have accepted as a world. It's your it's social conditioning and it's your dominant thoughts, right? The dominant thoughts of man, whatever your dominant thoughts are, that it's what it's going to be. So if your dominant thoughts say, like I said, growing up. In that petri dish, your culture is going to dictate everything that you are. Right. So if you saw people getting, oh, it's normal to get have a heart attack and die. It's normal to go have this procedure, or it's normal to go do this, or it's normal to have take insulin, or it's normal to uh, have a, a gastric bypass surgery. That's totally normal, <laughs> right? It's normal to have crazy tumors growing into your. It's normal, right? 
getting your chest cracked open. But the second you say, hey, listen, go back to your plants, go back to what nature has specifically designed for your body. They can't, we can't grasp that because of, like I said, six months old, our mother cracked open that chicken flavored Gerber. And then that's when the conditioning started. Like I said, I saw a one-year-old just tearing through a bag of McDonald's, just digging his hand deep in the bag, right? Come out grease everywhere, right? One years old. Right, so for sure. I, yeah. So I was at I was getting my oil changed the other day and a little kid came in with a donut. He had one donut and I, he was he was smacking on it so loud. So I just, that's when I was editing the book at the time. He was smacking. So that's why I caught my attention. He grabbed the donut out of the bag and then just as a sprinkles, pretzels, I mean, every sprinkles, everything, like glaze, everything. Then he grabs another donut. Then he grabs another donut, three donuts he grabs. Then he grabs a kolache out of the bag. I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. This kid had to be four years old, three, four years old. That's right. hard to watch. Um, it's really hard to watch and see <laughs> the damage that he's setting himself up for later in life. Um because it's not going to present itself in that four-year-old's life right now, other than maybe a sugar crash or something later in the day. But to know that, um, to know what that is doing to his long-term health and lifestyle is just, uh, again, hard to watch. Um, yeah. He's been conditioned since he was six months old. I promise you. And that's, no why doubt. that's why it's easy for him. That's why it's normal. That's why it's normal for us to see people get their chest cracked open because that's, well, that's what we've been doing since the beginning. And that's what the doctors tell whatever the doctors say the doctors are conditioned too. they go to school and they don't learn about plant-based medicine they don't learn that the real the real medicine comes from just like that tour guide told me from the plants they don't know that they just know hey you have this symptom give them this medication you have this symptom crack their chest open okay that if this doesn't work okay uh gastric bypass right <laughs> that's all they know right so the leading cause yeah. of death for physicians is also heart attack heart disease heart disease is the leading cause of death for physicians. These are physicians. These are the doctors. Mm -hmm. a cardiologist, yeah, leading cause of death is a heart attack for cardiologists, but not just the cardiologists, all doctors. Yeah. It takes human, like I said earlier in the beginning of this, beginning of this call, it is the leading cause of death for human beings across the planet, heart disease. That should be eye-opening listeners. I mean, that should be like, if you take nothing else away from this conversation, take that information away and use it to fuel your own plant-based journey because it's just tragic that that is something that is so common and just so quote-unquote normal in our world. Um, I want to talk to you a minute too about just the uh, social repercussions regarding plant-based living and particularly as it pertains to that cultural or that um, conditioning that we spoke of so much throughout this conversation, because it's one thing for somebody like yourself who um, is highly disciplined. You have a military background. You are, as you said earlier in the conversation, um, you're not going to do something half-assed, right? You have a very focused mindset. How do people get away from caring about what other people think. Cause I think for a lot of people that I've spoken to over the years, one of their biggest challenges is feeling like they can't participate or feeling like they're going to miss out or feeling like they're 
you know, just um, not going to be able to live a quote unquote normal life. You're, you got to add, this is what I tell people. It's all about the mindset. So your values. So your values in the sense that I want you to write down. This is what I would recommend someone do. Write down their top values in life, in their life to say, hey, this is what I value the most in my life. This is what I value. And not in any particular order. Maybe like your top five values in life and find out how does food come into play with that? How does food come into play with your top five values in life? In the sense that going to these social events, going to this family events, and you got to find out what's important to you. You may have something important to you, like, hey, listen, like I said, you had a loved one that passed away too early from a, from a condition, right? What is this condition that they, your loved one passed away? Then you got to ask yourself, you got to start asking yourself, what are my values? Not someone else's values. What are my values? Because everybody is their own individual. There's billions and billions of people, 7 billion people on this world, in this world, and nobody is alike. So you have to ask yourself, what are your values? And when you can answer that question, what's important to you? Then you ask yourself, how does food come into play with this? When I go to these social events, am I just eating just to fit in with everybody else? Like, oh yeah, I don't want to feel like an outcast. I don't want to feel like this. Okay, is that one of your values? We talked about your values. Is is one of your values not feeling like an outcast, <laughs> right? If one of your values is, if you didn't put that on your list, then that shouldn't even, you, you shouldn't even, that shouldn't even affect you, right? If your top five values are, okay, I want to be here for my kids. Or like I said, my mother passed away from a heart attack or my uncle passed away too early from, a, from cancer or whatever it is, whatever your values are and figure out how does food relate to that? Like for me, so my, so that's, important to me. My mother passed away from a heart attack, which is the leading cause of death. When the number one contributor for the leading cause of death is your diet. Diet is the leading contributor for the leading cause of death. So when I go to social events, like I'm going to a social event tonight, the fight is a, is a big fight on tonight. So uh, at the barbershop, there's going to be a bunch of guys there and everybody's going to be there. Probably people are probably going to have pizza and all types of stuff, all, kind of, all kinds of party stuff. But me, on the other hand, I know what my values are. My value is not, uh, even though the fight, I love boxing, I love the fight, I love, you know, hanging out with the guys, but it doesn't compromise my values. My value is, I know what my values are, and I know how food comes into play with that. So you got to find out what are your values, and then you got to ask yourself, do I need to, have, you got to look yourself in the mirror. So if you have, a, if you're suffering from diabetes, if you're suffering from this condition, that condition, you need to look, look yourself in the mirror like I did. Go into the mirror and say, hey, self, do I need to have diabetes? Do I need to have heart disease? Do I need to have uh, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis? Is this absolutely necessary? Like, if you, and then if the answer is yes, if, yes, it's absolutely necessary for me to have diabetes. It's absolutely necessary for me to have heart, heart disease. It's absolutely necessary for me to have whatever condition that I have, then okay, fine, it's necessary. But if it's not necessary, then... The answer is no, it's not necessary for me to have this condition. Then it's time to say, okay, now I have to, what are my values? Now, what are my reasons that I'll never give up? Give yourself reasons as to why you'll never give up. Your values, your reasons, so the, it's reasons come first, answers come second. That's another one of my philosophies. Reason, your reasons, if you have enough reasons, the why is easy. The how is easy. Oh, that's easy. But like I said, when I go to this event tonight, I don't care about any of that. I don't care about any of that stuff. It's easier for me to say, no, no, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. No, I'm good. <laughs> it's easier for me to say that because of my values, of my why, of my reasons. When I look myself in the mirror and say, 
Do I need to have prediabetes? Do I need to have heart disease? Do I need to be obese? The answer for me was no, I didn't need to have those. So therefore it's time to make a change. Like I said earlier, if nothing changes, nothing changes. I love that so much. And you know, it's a great way of saying your thoughts truly become what you believe. And it's probably not even hard for you to decline all the party type foods that you're talking about that will be present tonight because your why is so strong that it's just irrelevant at this point. And the other thing that comes to mind when you're talking about just really understanding your values and your mindset is getting more in connection with embodiments, like really understanding yourself. And whenever you start caring about what other people think more than what you value for yourself, it's a complete disembodiment. And you're going to be lost if you spend your life caring about the perceptions of others, especially if it directly affects you and your well-being. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It's like you were just saying, if I, if I go to that party tonight and when I was obese and I still eat and I, next thing you know, I end up having a heart attack is just, you know, people may come to my funeral. like, oh yeah, we, we miss him. Uh, okay. On about to the next thing, back, back to normal, right? Mourn him for a little while and then it's back to normal. Life is normal. All right. Yeah. So you got to have these values as to it's, do I need to be in a coffin early? Do I need to have, do I need to have, take 20 years off of my life? I mean, this question you got to ask yourself. What have you found in your own journey in regards to any obstacles or challenges that have been before you becoming plant-based or as you entered veganism? Uh, yeah, this is mainly the traveling, tra when you travel, when I travel, like, like, uh, in corporate America, I travel for corporate America doing corporate events. And, you know, if I fly from here and flying from there, I mean, yeah, traveling is when it can get pretty, can get pretty challenging. I typically, what I'll do is I'll stop whenever, I, whatever city I'm in, I'll stop by a grocery store. I'll stop by, especially if I'm in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> right? I had to stop by a grocery store and just try to grab all of my stuff that I can get everything and load my hotel fridge up and then go from there. Because a lot of the places, like when I'm teaching, teaching at, a, at an event or from, from at a trade show or something like that, guess what? Then they don't have any plant-based options. There, there's no plant-based options. So I have to plan ahead. It's all about planning ahead. So that takes, that's not normal. That's not normal. How I, how I used to think I used to just wake up in life and just Hey, if I want to eat this, I want to eat that. I'll go here. I'll go there. Whatever's at the event, whatever, whatever's at the event. But that's the, that's the challenging part, planning ahead and being in social environments where you have to interact with other people and food's being ordered and they're not going to order anything for you. Right. So you have to order that for yourself. Yeah. It would be rare to find a event that takes that into consideration for sure. I can definitely relate to that. Um, and then making sure that you've planned ahead, like you said, because if you allow yourself to feel famished, yeah. right, you make bad choices. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Planning ahead is, is key for sure. I think that planning ahead um, ties into what I'd like to ask you about next. And that is the timing of when we eat our food. How is that part of what's important? Nature perfect in her design i always go back to this as you said throughout I, I go through this back many times in the book light light and darkness are what can you do about the sun 
not a lot. It's going to be there. Yeah, it's going to be there. There's not a damn thing. The, the, the answer you want to say is not a damn thing. There's not a damn <laughs> thing I could do about the. There's not a damn thing that I could do about the sun. Okay, well, what can you do about the moon? Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing, right? Buddha says this. Buddha says there are three things that cannot be long hidden: the sun, the moon, and the truth. And what I think he meant by that, what Buddha meant by that is the sun. So when the sun comes up in the morning, that's when your cortisol level, that's when you wake up. That's when we're supposed to be the most active. That's when your cortisol levels are high. Your cortisol levels are coming up. And then as the sun, as the moon goes down, your cells are automatically start to slow down, right? That's called the, your circadian rhythm. So, in the, and then your melatonin levels are starting to rise. So it's in your sleep cycle. So it has it in your sleep cycles as well. So when you go places, when you fly from, Let's just say if we fly from here to, uh, let's say from the United States to, let's say Australia, like a 14 hour difference or Singapore, 12 hour difference. When you get there, we, if we fly there right now, it's nine o'clock in the morning or let's just say it's 10 o'clock in the morning here. It's 10 o'clock at night there right now, right? 10 o'clock at night. So if you fly there, your body's going to be, all your sleep cycles are going to be saw all over the place. You'd be like, man, I can't sleep for whatever. You're going to have this thing called jet lag. So jet lag is another way of saying your circadian rhythm is thrown off and it has to be reprogrammed by the sun and the moon. So the longer we're here, the longer you're in that place, the longer you're in Singapore, it takes about a day. It's like per day, every day. So if you're there for 10 days, it's going to take your body. If you're going 12 hours, sorry, if you're going through a 12 hour time zone, it's going to take your body about 12 to 14 days, about 12 days. So for every day that you're there, it takes your body. That's how long it takes for your cells to be reprogrammed by the sun and the moon. You can, like you said earlier, you can't do anything about the sun. You can't do anything about the moon. Your body, nature is perfect in her design. Nature designed to say when the sun's coming up, it's time to get up and be active. Cortisol is high. When the sun's going down, cortisol is low. Right? Melatonin's high. It's time to go to sleep. Every night, you do this every night. Circadian means about 24. That's what it means. So it's about 24 hours so in nature there isn't basically these events are going to happen no matter what so whether you're in a dark room or whether you're in a, the sun the light your body has these cycles at nighttime so at nighttime when it's time then your body's in maintenance mode that is when you should shut off all foods remember i told you earlier your body wants to take the raw fuel and it converts it it's called methylation and it converts it into a usable form so it takes all of these raw forms and at nighttime, it starts going into maintenance mode. I need to repair this cell. That cell needs to be repaired. I need to repair this cell. I need to repair that cell, right? This is what happens when you sleep. Your body's in, in maintenance and repair mode. Um, so, but when the sun comes out now, but, but I'll take it back. Food, food is very, very important in that aspect. We're eating the wrong fuel, which is diesel fuel I talked about. We're eating that, a lot of it at, at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night when your body should be in maintenance mode Instead, it's fighting to do to digest food. Digesting takes a huge, huge toll on the body. So you're going against nature. You're going against the sun. You're going against the moon and your body's natural ability to heal itself. So the more you fight against your circadian rhythm, it's natural. You can't do anything about that sun. You can't do anything about the moon. You can't do anything about your body having a circadian rhythm. You can't do anything about you flying to Singapore and it being a 12-hour difference and you have jet lag. You can't do anything about that, but let nature take its course. Go outside and let your, let your cells get reprogrammed by the sun. Go outside and let your cells get reprogrammed by the moon. That's why it takes about 12 days if you go between 
it's a it's a one day per time zone. So if it's if I fly three hour difference, it's gonna take me about three days for my body to acclimate to the sun and the moon. So that's that's a little bit about the circadian rhythms. That's natural rhythms. Every species, every from every living organism has a circadian rhythm. So whether it's a microbe, bacteria, uh, a plant, human, mammal, air, everything, every living organism, frogs <laughs> has their own circadian rhythm. It's natural. It's just like the sun with the sun and the moon. There isn't a damn thing that you can do about it. That is really new and interesting information for me, for sure. Um, I love absorbing that information from your book and just gaining a better understanding about timing of food, because I feel like, again, that programming or conditioning over the years for me on this topic has been, as long as you're eating healthy plant-based, it doesn't really matter when you eat it, as long as it's wholesome and you know, not the diesel fuel that we've talked about so much. Um, but it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. And I never considered it before reading your book. 100%. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, just like Buddha said, there's three things that cannot be long hidden. It's the sun and it's the moon and it's the truth. <laughs> the truth of the matter is there you have a circadian rhythm and there isn't a damn thing that you can do about it. That's the truth. So that's that what truth... I think Buddha, Buddha meant by that by that quote. Yeah. And as the, the other saying goes about truth, I mean, that truth will set you free. And in this context, it will set you free from disease, from pharmaceuticals, from a early death. If you just lean into the truth of what mother nature has always, always intended for you. If you just take a closer look and change what's at the end of your fork, your life will change for the better. Mother nature is perfect in her design. That is just like my, that's like my new life mantra. Mother nature <laughs> is perfect in her design. I'm I, Every day I'm going to think about that. I'm going to put it on my vision board. I'm going to just have it pop up as a reminder in my phone because it's just solid and true. And I just love it. And I'm just so thankful for this conversation with you today. I love that I, this book, I love that this book came into my journey and in my path. And it's just an amazing read. Kelly, what Thank do you, you want to leave our listeners with today? What do you want them to walk away thinking about? I want them to walk away thinking about those, those questions that I, that I, that I asked yourself, that you asked yourself earlier. Do I need to have these, this chronic condition? Do I need to have this? Uh, what are my values? What are my values? Do I need to have this chronic condition? And what are the reasons what are the reasons that I'll never give up on achieving my goals? I like to use how the philosophy that helped me was called the ant philosophy. One day I was reading my Bible and the Bible and the quote said, hey, uh, sluggard, basically, hey, lazy person, go seek out the ways of the ant, study her ways and be wise. So I'm saying, what does that mean? Study the ants, study the ways of the wise ants and be wise comes to find out that ants are the most successful life forms on this planet simply by the mindset that they have. Either if you put a pebble in front of an ant, an ant or also the scripture says that an ant uh, has no leader, has no captain, but yet she provides provisions for the winter. Right? She has winter, she has food for the winter, all winter. 
how does she have food for the winter all, 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 all the winter while the grasshopper, grasshopper dies? So previously, pre-COVID, I was called the grasshopper. That means I was just hopping around through, throughout life without a plan, especially when it, comes to, when it comes to health. When it comes to health and wealth, I had no idea. That's what led me to the point where I was about to have a heart attack, pre-diabetes and heart disease. And also the ant. So the ant has the mindset of they're so determined. So that's why I get the name One Determined Vegan. That's the name of my company, One Determined Vegan, because I was reading my bio and it says, go seek out the ways and study her ways and be wise. So ants will never give up. You put a pebble in front of an ant, they will just simply try to go around it. If they're trying to get somewhere, if they're trying to accomplish their goal, they would simply try to get around it. They'll try to go to the left. They'll try to go to the right. If they can't go to the left or to the right, they'll go, they'll try to go over the top. If they can't go over the top, then they'll try to dig a hole underneath. And even if that doesn't work, they'll try to budget to get this pebble out of the way so I can accomplish my goal which is to serve the queen. That's the ant's purpose is to serve the queen. And then if that doesn't work, they'll recruit some other ants. Like, hey, ants, come help me out. Help me out. Let's, let's move this pebble out of the way so we can accomplish our goal. And even if that doesn't work, they will literally gnaw their way through, try to gnaw their way through this rock to get to the other side. So either they're going to die trying to reach their goal or they're going to claw and they're going to scratch and they're going to do everything in their power to reach their goal or die. That is the that is the only option, and that is the mindset that I need people to adopt. To adopt this mindset of that's how I went from the worst shape of my life to the best shape of my life by adopting this philosophy of of the ant, the tiniest creature, right? And they prevent they prepare for the winter, so they'll put in the summertime they're putting their food away for the for the winter. They're they're working throughout the summer, putting their food away. They're sort of thinking ahead. A they never give up. B they think ahead, and C when things get rough. In the wintertime, they know that winter's here, but they have all the food that they need. They know winter's not going to last forever. So in life, in life, if you're going through a tough time, it's not going to last forever. You got to think positive. The summer is coming, right? And winter is going to last. You've already prepped for the winter. You know that the winter's coming. Just like those ants, you know that the winter's coming. So, and then when the winter comes, it, winter comes for everybody. So you have death. Uh, financial issues, health, all types of stuff. Winter is coming for everybody. I promise you, no matter what, whatever winter is in your life, it's coming for you. So followed by that is opportunity. So it's, it's difficulty followed by opportunity. So ants know that in a winter time, it's going to be summer again. So they never, ever think negative. They think positive, right? And then how much will an ant put away for the, how much do you think an ant will put away for the winter? I mean, I feel like you're the one that can tell me that. <laughs> an ant in the, in the wintertime, an ant will put away as much as she possibly can. Okay. That's how much she'll put away. How much will an ant put away for the winter? The answer, as much as she possibly can, right? So that gets me to my next philosophy, the do all you possibly can philosophy, right? So that is the mindset that you must adopt. Adopt the mindset of an ant. A, they never give up. B, they always plan ahead. C they will, when things get rough, they always know to think positive because after the storm, the sun comes out again, right? And then they always do all they possibly can. And this is the philosophy of an ant. So be an ant, don't be a grasshopper. Be an ant, for sure. You know, Kelly, the amount of information that you have acquired in the short time is amazing and admirable, quite honestly. I think that 
the way you have dove directly into this um, is not only amazing how you've helped yourself, but the way you're now helping other people. I want to talk about those opportunities you have for other people to work with you and find their own way to this plant-based lifestyle. Yeah, 100%. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So the book, definitely the book. The book is that's a, that's a great starter is the book. And then also I have a coaching, a coaching online coaching course. Online coaching course is going to take you, it's called Plant Fit. It's literally going to take you through everything that I learned in these like you said before, I'm, I was a total grasshopper before and the amount of information that I required, uh, acquired is because I just literally turned myself into a mad scientist. So everything that I learned, I just put it in an easeable, easy, there's a lot of science behind it. I can talk to you about all of the science and the numbers and all of that stuff, but that's not relatable to people. That's not relatable to people at all. So my program, my course is built on how is it relatable to my everyday life? I want to make it simple, as simple as possible for people to be able to achieve their goals without make, because if you try to build too many habits at one, one time. So I just put them through the same mindset, the same trials and tribulations that I ran into. I just took it and I amplified it and I put it into this coaching program. I put it into this uh, coaching course. So it's an online course that will literally, and then also you get my coaching as well. So it's the online course plus my weekly coaching. That is part of the, that's part of the, the package. Right. So that's what it's all about. It's called Plant Fit. So you can go to my website, you can go to onedeterminedvegan.com. You can find out more about that. You can find out more about me. You can find out more about the book. You can find out more about a lot of things on onedeterminedvegan.com. Also on Instagram, onedeterminedvegan, Facebook, onedeterminedvegan. I'm not hard to find, right? Yeah. Um, you know what? And it's just awesome to see because the best healers are the ones that have already healed themselves. So I have no doubt that you are just changing people's lives every day. And it's just really cool to see as somebody that is passionate about the plant-based lifestyle and the vegan journey. I just love to see big things like this happening and more people just embracing it and then teaching other people to do the same. For our, our listeners today too, all ways to connect with Kelly will be in the show notes as well as a link to his phenomenal book. Please get it. Please support it follow, subscribe, and just embrace the information that was spoken here today and lean into your own healing. Kelly, thank you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for your knowledge. Thank you for all that you're doing. Sarah, thanks for having me. It was an honor. It was fantastic. I cannot wait to share this conversation. Absolutely. After listening to this conversation, I hope that you feel empowered to take a close look at what's on your plate. I hope that you are able to see past the pleasures of just your palate so that you may be nourished and truly be able to live freely. Free of disease, free of pharmaceuticals, free of a system that wants to keep you sick. And while it wasn't part of this episode, the conversation that plant-based foods actually expand and broaden the options is one that will be had here in the future. Because the truth is, you do not have to compromise flavor or give up delicious foods in order to live a plant-rich lifestyle. 
go to lilulosvegan.com and sign up for the email list to start receiving newsletters, blog posts, and updates on all things Lilulos and the holistic journey that I'm on. We will continue the conversation there. Links are in the show notes. Support and follow Kelly at onedeterminedvegan.com and on all socials. All the links are right here in the show notes. Please purchase his amazing book, read it and share it. It's the next right thing in changing your life for the better. Till next time.